0: You're listening to the Sheepspot Podcast, a show for hand spinners about making yarns we love. Hey there, Sheepspotters. Welcome to Episode 57 of the Sheepspot Podcast. I'm Sasha from sheepspot.com, where we are laser focused on helping you make yarns you love with beautiful fibers and top notch instruction. In the last episode, I left you with a cliffhanger, and I know that was a little cheesy, and you're just going to have to blame it on HBO and Chernobyl. In this episode, I'm going to pick up my spinning story where we left off. So here's a quick reminder of where we left things. I was in a hotel room in the Berkshires trying to spin some merino top on my brand new wheel and feeling like a total capital L loser. My singles kept breaking. My tension was probably turned up way too high, but I didn't know that at the time. My fiber kept slipping through my fingers and creating massive slubs. That was a Merino problem, but I didn't know that at the time either. So what did I do? Well, here's the thing. I don't actually remember what happened next. I wasn't keeping a journal at the time. So I'm kind of reconstructing this story by looking um, back at the pictures I took during this period. And thank God for Ravelry, which got me documenting my fiber life with photos right from the beginning. Um, I know that I came home to Canada, and about a week later, I flew to the UK for a three-week vacation in London and France. I was on sabbatical this term, so um, I wasn't teaching. And I know that I did finish that braid of Merino very ineptly. Um, and you saw, if you looked at the show notes from last week, you saw a photo- photograph of it. Um But I didn't spin for about a month because I was, you know, getting ready to travel and then traveling. Um, But I think during that time, I must have done some online research that suggested that I needed to try some other fibers. Because when I got back from France, I immediately ordered a bunch of BFL. And then I spun it. I spun it every day for about six months I will put a picture of one of the early BFL yarns into the show notes. So during that month away from my wheel, I made three decisions that were really important for me. One was that I was going to spin every day, no matter what, even if it was for five minutes. Um, the The second decision was that I was going to keep spinning no matter what my yarn looked like. No judgment, just practice for as long as it took. I was going to make bad yarn every day until I started making better yarn. And last but not least, I decided that I was going to knit with my yarn as I made it. Again, kind of no matter what. And thanks to these decisions I was able to make pretty rapid progress in my spinning. It was a long time before I tried Merino again, but I did experiment with some of the Coopworth that I had bought in Vermont. And by spinning every day, I was able to build up some muscle memory and my drafting got better. Um, And I I think I've talked about this before in the um, episodes on making spinning a habit. Um, You don't have to do something for a long time, for like, you know, hours at a time in order to build up muscle, muscle memory, it's actually more efficient to do something more frequently for shorter amounts of time. So I didn't know that at the time, but um, but I it's true and um, it definitely helped. And knitting with my early yarns um, was really important because it taught me that I could make some completely serviceable and even, you know, kind of fun and funky projects with imperfect yarns. And, um, so, and that was really, really useful. I, I learned how, just how forgiving, um, knit fabric is and how many different kinds of yarn can look good in that kind of, um, textile structure. And I've actually put a bunch of pictures of my early yarns into the show notes. If you want to go look look at them, they're all um, there's a group of them, and they're all sort of from this maybe three month period from uh, December through February, December two thousand nine through February two thousand and ten. So I was happily spinning away, and I was making a lot of yarn. Probably made more yarn during that period than I have ever since. Um, and I was getting better little by little. But I knew that I could really only make so much progress on my own. I began reading everything I could get get my hands on, and I totally devoured those early spinning videos from Interweave. Um, I can vividly remember watching Abby Frankamont's um, drafting video. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And Judith McKenzie's plying video, which really improved my playing so much. Um, and they helped some, um, I, and I, I can remember watching that video of Abby's over and over again while I tried to like figure out long draw. Um, But as it happened, I didn't really learn long draw from that video. Um, I decided I needed to try taking some in-person classes again. And this time, instead of just sort of wandering into somebody's studio and signing up for classes with her on the spot, uh, I was actually going to do some research and do my best to study with teachers who really, really knew both how to spin and how to teach spinning. And that's what led me to the spinning loft, which at that point lived in Howell, Michigan. So this was back when Beth Smith owned the spinning loft. And I had seen some of her uh, spinning videos on YouTube. One of them taught me how to spin from the fold. And Howell, Michigan is about three hours away from me that's each way. Um, so I decided I would just get in my car, drive three hours and go take a class with her. And I remember that day so clearly. I remember how the shop smelled because of all the fleeces. Um, I remember buying a lazy Kate, which is still my favorite Kate ever. They don't make them anymore. Um, from Beth's daughter, Chelsea, um, before Beth got to the shop. And I remember how excited I was before the class started. Beth was, well, everything that Beth is, smart and funny and beautiful and irreverent. And um, I remember that midway through the class, she made us all stop to take a chocolate break, which convinced me that I was, you know, in the right place. And I discovered that long draw is so much easier if you are using the right fiber as you're learning. I learned that I had my brake band set up wrong. (laughs) That was embarrassing. And that I should synchronize my treadling with my drafting. That totally blew my mind. Um. So I was officially hooked. I was hooked on Beth uh, on the shop and on taking classes with people who really knew their stuff. While I was there, I signed up for an upcoming class with Maggie Casey. um, And that was where I really learned long draw. I learned it really for Maggie Casey. Um, And that was how I started four years of driving to Michigan, three hours each way, as often as I could to take classes. And I talk about most of them uh, on my old podcast, Spin Doctor. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and by midsummer 2010, I can honestly say I was making yarns that I was proud of. So if you're a new spinner, I think there are a few takeaways from my story that you can adopt and put into practice uh, to get better really quickly. So the first one would be find a fiber that you get along with and just spin that one for a while. Like, Don't control the number of variables you're working with. Um, and if you're spinning the same fiber, that's going to give you lots of time to kind of figure it out, get comfortable with it, figure out your draft. Um, the other thing, uh, the second thing I want to suggest is that you spin as frequently as you can, even if it's just for 10 minutes at a time, um, that you suspend judgment. This is a hard one. I know, um, but you got to let yourself make mistakes and you've got to not beat yourself up about them because the minute you start the bad self-talk about your yarn, you your brain says, well, this isn't fun. I don't really want to do this because I just beat myself up about it. So you really have to just consciously make a decision that you're not going to do it. Um, also, use your yarns, even if you don't think they're good enough. Just even if you're knitting swatches with them, use them or, or weaving swatches with them or crocheting swatches with them, use them. It will teach you so, so much about what you like about your yarns, what you want to change about them. It's huge. Um, and then the last thing is get yourself the best instruction that you absolutely can, given your location and your resources. So in these two episodes, I've told you the story of my spinner's journey, how I went from a complete beginner to being able to spin yarns that I was really proud of. But I want to stress that the way I learned to spin was pretty slow. Really resource intensive in terms of both time and money, and it was pretty hit or miss. I took classes when and where I could find them, there was no clear progression or plan, and I really had no vision of the totality of what was required to become the spinner I wanted to be. I made it through, as have generations of spinners before me, but the question I've been asking myself over and over again as I create the Sheepspotter Society and reflect on my own journey as a spinner, has been, is there a better way? Is there a better way to learn how to spin? Is it possible to create a new kind of spinning education that would be faster, easier, cheaper, and less overwhelming? And I think the answer to that question might just be yes wait, is that a cliffhanger? I think maybe it is. My darlings, that's it for me this week. You will find lots of pictures of my hand spun from my first year of spinning in the show notes for this episode, uh, and also in the show notes for the last episode. And you can find those at sheepspot.com slash podcast slash episode 57 in this case, or 56 in the case of last week's episode. Uh, dude, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week when we will go back to my Via Yante project and talk about fiber prep. Uh, in the meantime, go spin something. All right, guys. Love you. See you next week. Bye. <music>